You're listening to Focus on the Bible. Do you like free stuff? I do. How about coupons? A lot of times free things come to us through coupons. When I was in Bible school, McDonald's did a great promotion. Wish they still had it in these days of inflation. They had 29-cent cheeseburgers if you had the right coupon. Also, at the same time, they had one coupon for 99-cent Big Macs. I ate a ton of cheeseburgers and Big Macs in those days because they were a lot more tasty than those Raymond noodles that we would eat for five packs for a dollar. I love coupons. Then there's another one these days that comes out. They call them BOGOs. Do you know about that? BOGO stands for buy one, get one free. I like that if it's a good thing. Now, sometimes coupons can be a little shady and might talk you into buying something that you don't even need, and then you have two things that you don't need. But a well-placed coupon can get you some good stuff for free. But I want to tell you something about what God has done. God has done something greater than 29-cent cheeseburgers and BOGOs. God's plan is this. You get one free, and then you get another free, all through the amazing grace of God shown to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about this. Now, some of you know what's coming, and you know that if I'm going to talk about the grace of God, I'm surely going to talk about how to be saved into eternal life, and right you are. But now don't you cheat and cut short the program today because the second thing that comes along with the offer of God's free salvation by grace through faith might be a surprise to you. But I think we can all learn something when we get to number two at the end of the program. But now let's begin to focus on the Bible and consider this awesome deal from God that we get two for the price of one. And the one is absolutely free, provided for by Jesus Christ's awesome sacrifice that paid our price forever. So what do you get from God for free, this double offer? Well, number one, the grace of God brings salvation. I'm going to Romans chapter 11 and verse number 6. This is the shocking truth of it all, that eternal life turned out to be free. Heaven is offered by God absolutely for no payment at all of our own. Now, it's already paid, and the price was extravagant. It cost Jesus Christ his life's blood and body. Yeah. But that payment offered by Jesus Christ paid our price once and for all and left us with nothing to pay, and that's why God calls it grace. The word grace simply means favor, the way to get God's favor that would land us in heaven in what the Bible calls eternal life is only by believing in what Jesus already paid in our place when he died on that cross. Romans eleven six says it like this, and if by grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. What did he say? 
Well, if it's by grace, then it can't be by work, because if you add work in any amount to grace, that spoils the whole thing, and you can no longer call it grace. Grace is because we're not enough, and our work could never please, our work could never pay. But Jesus Christ came along and made a substitutionary payment when he died on the cross. Now God throws the gate of heaven wide open and calls any to enter in who will merely believe in the payment Jesus made for them, trusting in him for everlasting life. Hebrews chapter 2 speaks about this as well. Hebrews 2 and verse 9, let's put the spotlight on Jesus Christ today. The Bible says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. What did it say? That by God's grace, Jesus Christ came to offer a payment for our sins. So therefore, we call him the captain of our salvation. Now, he's the captain who fights our battle for salvation. He goes into battle knowing there's a price to be paid and a victory to be won. And he paid that price and he won that victory all by himself. He does not need our help. Doesn't need us to make our own contribution. No, he's the captain of our salvation and we've won the victory all by faith in him. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, God gives us the grace of God that saves us forever into eternal life. This is why Jesus Christ is glorified in the world. And it's why the Bible is so clear that salvation could never be earned by our good works or our obedience, but it's only by faith in Jesus Christ because he's the completed package of our salvation deal. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we make our boast, ladies and gentlemen, in the grace of God, the thing that has saved us and saved us forever and for keeps, all by faith alone in Christ alone. This grace of God is the greatest news in the whole wide world. It's also the greatest motivation for the way that we live life. And that brings us to number two. Number one is salvation. The grace of God brings it all for free. But then the grace of God that saves us is the grace of God that teaches us. I'm going to Titus chapter 2. The grace of God that saves us is the grace of God that teaches us how we should live. In Titus chapter 2, Paul the Apostle writes this great letter to Titus. He's an apostolic delegate. He's sort of a stand-in for the Apostle Paul on the island of Crete. And there Titus is to set in order these things among these new believers so that the church can flourish. And when Paul writes to Titus in chapter 2, he breaks down these different categories of saved people 
into chronological ages, and he gives a bit of instruction for each age. You'll get the feel of this as we go through. Titus chapter 2 now, he begins in verse number 2. He says some things for the aged men who are believers about how they should live. In verse number 3, he speaks for a moment to the aged women about how they should live. In number 4, Paul talks about the young women and how they should live. And in verse number 6, he speaks for a moment to young men who are saved about how they should live. And then finally, in verse number 9, he says a few words to servants and about how they should live. I want to read to you briefly uh, from this passage about the servants. He says that they should be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things not answering again. They shouldn't talk back to the master, but verse 10, he says, not purloining. That means not stealing, not stealing. Do you think that believers need to be taught to not steal? I do. I do. Now, some would disagree. Some would say, well, if you're really saved, you wouldn't steal anymore. Paul disagrees. He thought that People who are saved needed to be taught not to steal. He did the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4. But now it's interesting to me, probably all those people who think that saved people automatically would never steal, they probably lock their doors at night and probably lock up their cars even in the church parking lot. How about that? Saved people need to be taught many things about how they should live. So he says not purloining, not stealing but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. What did he say? That while we bring the teaching about God, the doctrine, the, the truth of Scripture about God, he says that when saved people who believe that truth live as they should, it adorns, it decorates, sort of like ornaments on a Christmas tree. It makes the doctrine of God look a lot better when the people who've believed it shine. Is that good? Is that good? And now verse 11, watch this. Paul says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So there's number two. You get it for free. When you take number one, the grace of God that brings salvation, then you automatically receive for free in the package deal the grace of God that teaches us how to live. So this grace of God that brought salvation to us, now verse 12, is teaching us how that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the grace of God is teaching you, believer. It teaches you first to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Are you doing that? Are you today denying the ungodliness that pretty much is in the air we breathe? Are you denying the lusts that come to us in the world? You see, even saved people have inside the flesh a lust. That means that, that we want something that we cannot have rightly. <clears throat> Do you deny that as a believer? Because you've been taught by the grace of God. You see, some say, well, see, it's automatic then. You're saved by grace, and then you automatically live by grace. No, 
What's automatic here is that the grace of God teaches. It is not automatic that we always are good students, is it? It's not automatic that we always perform that which we have been taught. And that's true in all areas of life. But the grace of God that bought us is the grace of God that teaches us how we should live. He says here that we should live soberly. That means that we live alertly. That we're alert on what's happening around us. That we're alert towards philosophies that run against the grain of the holiness of God. That we're alert when vain philosophies try and creep in and find a place into our mind that would take us away from the simplicity that's in Christ. God's grace is always on the job. It teaches us how to live. He says righteously. We should live righteously. We have a holy God. We have a holy Savior. We have a Bible that teaches us to walk. Some have said, well, the Bible is not a book of do's and don'ts. Are you crazy? Have you ever read it? To say that the Bible is not a book of don'ts and a book of do's is a really foolish thing to say. The Bible is full of commands, and the Bible is full of rebuke to save people who didn't obey the commands. But for those who are good students of the grace of God, the grace of God is teaching all the time. And because they're good students, they're being taught by the grace of God. And their lives are transformed by what the grace of God is teaching them. And their manner of living is better. Their quality of life is even better. He says, and godly in this present world. Now that's a bit ironic. That this world is so crazy and we live in it and yet we don't have part in the crazy ungodliness that's in our world. All because we've been taught by the grace of God how we should live. Friend, I hope you have two for the price of one and the price of one was free by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for Focus on the Bible. For questions or comments about this episode or another biblical topic, you can mail us at Focus Ministries, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. For more information about our ministry, you can visit our website, www.freddycoyle.org. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E-C-O-I-L-E.org. This is Focus on the Bible.